Welcome to Textual Healing. I'm your host, Mallory Smart. For today's episode, we'll be hearing from a dude who really needs no introduction, Graham Irvin. Graham Irvin is a writer who lives in Philadelphia. He was born in North Carolina. He is the author of Liver Mush from Back Patio Press, and he tweets weird things at Graham J. Irvin. I'll spell it for you later in the show notes. All that aside, today we talk about his book, Liver Mush, the fact that it is indeed a real thing that people eat, coffee, awkward social interactions, AWP. At some point, I compare Graham to Upton Sinclair writing poetry on Adderall, a wide array of music. The last concerts we've gone to, and Graham randomly asks me what my sign is, like we're two drunk people at a bar. But before the show, I'd like to share that Textual Healing is now offering merch. Please check out our swag, and even better, just leave a rating on Apple Podcasts after the show. For now, though, please enjoy this fun and very off-kilter episode with Graham Urban. All right, so how you doing? Went to the, the coffee store twice, <laughs> the coffee shop twice. Um, to that makes two of us actually. Mm-hmm. I knew that you. Yeah. I knew that you liked coffee. I was like, I'll go one time because it's a new coffee shop. It'll give me something to talk about. And I got something bad. So I was like, I'll go get this. It was my fault. And then I went the second time. Uh, I was like, that, that'll be a fun thing. <laughs> I'm sure Mallory will like that. And saw a, a, a girl I used to date working there. So that was a little awkward. But good. That is so awkward. <laughs> yeah. But she did a really good job of like... Um, <laughs> Of, like, being like, do you know what you want? All right, bye, see ya. Like, uh, uh, I don't know. I appreciated her uh, ability to be like, this is strictly professional. That's cool. That's cool. I hate it when I run into, well, fuck, I'm just going to say anyone. I don't like running into anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I know. When you're caught off guard, I'm just like, I was not prepared for social contact right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been trying to be better at that, um, being able to uh, to not um, show that uh, that awkwardness. But yeah, it's hard. It's I, I, I've I've kind of always been that way too. I've actually had it because I'm in Chicago, and there are quite a few writers here, and they actually do like readings. I'll show up to them, but I kind of am like a wallflower, so I just kind of hide in the background. But if I notice that they notice me, I just, like, walk away. <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, or, like, they invite me for coffee, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, I have absolutely no time today as I just watch Orange is the New Black or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've been, like, I feel like my, my life, my life's goal has been to be a, more and more social, because I felt like when I was growing up, I, I wasn't social, I was quiet, and uh, I felt like I would be, like, forgotten or something. Like, uh, I don't know if you've ever, like, hung out with a group of people, and then later when people are talking about the the, the, set, the hangout, they like, you're not mentioned because you didn't talk or something. That would happen to me, and I would be like, I can't do that. That sucks. I, I gotta insert myself into somebody's mind. I don't know how, but most people actually think I'm an extrovert Mm. at first. It's so deceptive. 
because once they actually get to know me, I am more like you. But they're like, wait, you you were there? I, I totally forgot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe we're flipping. Maybe, like, you, you seem an extrovert but are an introvert. I started mm-hmm. as an introvert and have been forcing myself to have conversations with anybody for fear of being uh, forgotten. I've been having it where I've been more selective with conversations and like people I hang out with where like I'll realize within the first like couple minutes where I'm just like, I'm going to want to get out of this hangout. Yeah. Yeah. Are these one-on-one hangouts or these like group settings? Honestly, it could be either, Mm -hmm. but like, I remember once I was actually texting my friend and like we were together and we were trying to get rid of another person Oof. from the hangout. Yeah. That, <laughs> and that's actually why, you know, you're a horrible human being when like you're both in agreement, like, oh, we're done with this person. We, we want them to leave. So I was just like, oh, Tyler, he's going through a breakup. I need to help him. And, you know, we need some like alone time. Yeah. It's better when you it's have so like uh, like the two against one there, I guess. You know, it, it, um, I, yeah, it's easier if it's like a, a bar setting or like a house party setting to just kind of be like, oh, definitely. all right, and then turn around because <laughs> you're just like, this would, we, we'd hit, we hit a lull and we can walk away. But if it's only a handful of people, yeah, you kind of have to like, you have to do that thing where you're like... All right, what else? What else is there? What else? Honestly, the worst thing, though, is if you're one-on-one and if you're with someone who doesn't get the I don't want to hang out anymore vibe. Yeah. I had it once where I invited someone to hang out with me and I couldn't get rid of them for four days. Wow. Did they, like, come from somewhere or was it, like, in the same... Did they live in the same area or was it, like, a, a, a person who traveled to see you? I would say they live like 20, 30 minutes away from me, mm. but like the, I was just like, oh, you could spend the night because we were having like a decent time, but then they like just never left. Wow. So I had to make an excuse to like go to their area yeah. and I was like, all right, I'll take you and drop you home while you're doing that. Yeah. 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 You got to like, I don't know how it's like, you got to have uh, you always have to have like a backup thing where no one would want to do that with you. Like you always have to be like. On on standby, something is like I gotta go. I gotta go see my my great grandmother or something, or I gotta go like get a really weird foot exam <laughs> thing, <laughs> so that that someone's just like I'll I'll leave you to that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna join. But don't you know like at least one person who would be like I'm down for whatever. Yeah, yeah. I definitely there definitely are uh, people like that, and it's like I think. Like in that situation that you were in, it seems like if you if you have enough a good enough groundwork, uh, then that person won't want to leave. You know, they're just like, well, we had such a good time that first day, so might as well. <laughs> yeah, as an introvert, I'm just immediately like, I was really fine the first couple hours. Now I need to be left alone for a whole week, please. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I've noticed. Uh, Lately, I've been forced, yeah, like I said, forcing myself to be social. This <clears throat> specific weekend, uh, I, I drove from Philly to Asheville. Uh, like my friend was ha- having a wedding, and it kind of happened at the last minute. But I was able to to come to that. So that was a long drive, 
and then I got, I like met him. I only knew him and his his wife, uh, and like he, but he has like four brothers, and she has like two brothers and a, a sister, and and their entire family was there, and then friends were there, but um, uh, it, it was just like you know immediately talk, trying like forcing myself to talk to these people because the one person that I did know was you know deeply involved in a very like uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, one on one, you know, like I can't be uh, the, the the third wheel to the new mm. married couple on the day of their marriage, um, and then after that, yeah, like they're they're busy. Yeah, they're busy. They got stuff going on. I can't be like, so what's going on after? What are we? Where where, where are we going after the bar? They're like, well, we uh, there's like a you know centuries old tradition uh, <laughs> at the at tonight, um, <laughs> and then after that. Saturday, I went to like a funeral. It was like a, it was like a, a, it was a funeral, but it was like a, a celebration of life for uh, my cousin. You had a very weird couple days. Yeah, it's been it's been crazy. Uh, so I went to that, and I saw like a side of my family. I, I mean, I don't see family too much because we live in different areas. So I hung out with them a lot, and then saw my mom. And we walked around the neighborhood, ran into people who went to their church who I knew when I was like a teenager. So then I was like, again, like what you're talking about, forced to talk to people who uh, I, I don't normally talk to or see for 10 to 15 minutes. And what would happen is I have like, the, it's like tiny panic attacks <laughs> where I, my eyes and face and hands will kind of like seize up and uh, I just have to kind of like power through it. So I'm like talking to somebody and my face is just kind of like spasming. And I'm like, don't worry about it. I'm fine. I just, <laughs> I don't normally I'm talk. I'm just imagining like your soul leaving your body <laughs> for those few minutes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, and then, but then being like, it's like the anxiety, it, it, which is like, a, it's like a physical response to just like having to keep pushing through and not be like quiet or, or, um, or like, I don't know, boring. Uh, and, and, and then, um, and but then like also trying to like push through so i don't like twitch too much so they like call attention to it because saying even if i'm like handling it saying like it's like a panic attack thing it just happens you know then people like maybe go into like i don't know uh parent safety mode and like well i gotta lay you down and get some water to you or something Mm -hmm. Mm. Do you ever have it like really weird when you run into people like from the past and they immediately are like, so what are you doing these days? Like, cause we are living such weirder lives than other people. I'd like to say, yeah. Like, what do you say? Oh yeah. I don't know. I, um, <laughs> it, cause that is like the number one question. Everyone's like, so what are you up to these days? What's your job? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it does feel strange. Cause like, um, I mean, yeah, that happened a lot uh, this weekend with like my family. Um, they, um, a lot of them read uh, my my book, which I thought was nice because it's like about something that they know. So it was a good avenue in for them to kind of uh, want to read it. I think that if it was, if it was just just regular poetry or like not regular poetry, you know, if it was just a collection of poetry or like a novel or something, they would probably be supportive, but less. Um, less tied to what it means. Uh, so they knew that and they talked about that. Um, I work at like a restaurant so I, and that's a pretty new thing. So I've been to, like, you know, so I have a lot of new information where I'm like, Oh, I work at this restaurant. Um, you know, I'm doing this. They all, um, 
most of them have like born and, and raised in this in this uh, town. So a lot of them uh, feel very confused about like the North and Philadelphia and and like big cities or whatever. So that's a lot of like what we talk about, and that's pretty easy though. You know, just like yeah, it's crazy, but it's also cool. Um, I don't know. What do you say? What do you say when that happens to you? Are you kidding? Sometimes I just straight up lie about my life. Really? <laughs> I know. Sometimes it's easier than being like, oh, I, I, I write. And they'll be like, oh, anything I've heard of. Why do they always say that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I know. It's just like, yeah, you, you'll totally find my book at Barnes and Nobles. Yeah. It's, or the non-existent borders or whatever. Yeah. Well, the new Netflix show, you've probably heard of it. I wrote that. So, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's just like, that was totally me. You don't see my name under the credits. It's because I used a pseudonym because I'm clever like that. Yeah. I don't want to embarrass you guys. Um, what's your, what's your, yeah. do you have a go-to lie? Uh, usually I just kind of bullshit and be like, oh, I'm just doing remote work mm. and just kind of like leave it vague as hell. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you have like, I mean, even if you did have, I mean, like a lot of people have like, internet email jobs where you can work from home and really you're just like doing zoom meetings and stuff going into any amount of detail like that is about the same as lying because i think it's just like uh, even if you know what that kind of stuff is it's it's confusing or vague or uh um hard to wrap your head around i mean i feel like a lot of people see like what we do is kind of like almost playing on the internet (laughs) yeah for sure because, like, I don't know, anyone older than us, I guess. What generation are you, actually? Uh, I think we are only a couple of years apart. Uh, um, so, I was born in you 90. millennial? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Oh, what's up? I'm born in 90 also. Bam. Hell yeah. When's your birthday? September 11th. I Hell know. Yeah, it's dude. a weird day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely get jokes all the time on that one. So, what does that make your sign? Um, Virgo. Virgo, cool. I'm a Capricorn. It's so funny. You might be one of the few people who's asked me what my sign is outside of a bar. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's usually those people who are just like, "Mm, so what's your sign? Yeah. It's like, I need you to go far, far away now. (laughs) I don't know anything about... uh, I just know that that's a talking thing, but it's a thing that people know and, and can talk about. But I only know like two... Or three things about that. I know that um, my girlfriend's a Sagittarius, and I don't really know what that means. I know that Leos and Libras are both like life of the party kind of people because I know two, a Leo and a Libra, who are both kind of life of the party people. And I just every time think of those people. And uh, uh, my stepdad's a Cancer. No, my, my sorry, my, my stepdad's a Scorpio. My mom's a Cancer. Well, I think Scorpios are supposed to be, like, the crazy ones, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I've always thought of them as, like, sexy evil. Not specifically because of my stepdad, but that's what always makes me think of. <laughs> sexy evil. Um, but Now I almost want to be a Scorpio. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, like it's mysterious. It seems like it's a fun, sassy one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just forgot what you said, what you were. I'm a Virgo. Virgo. I don't know. What is that? What do they do? What's their story? Um, I think 
we're supposed to be like, well, we're an earth sign. I know that. So we're more grounded, mm. obviously. Sure. I think we're just supposed to be like that weird, like humble kind of person who just kind of mediates through life. Right. Lies whenever it's easier. I know. We're so boring. <laughs> <laughs> we're easily the most boring sign ever. I think the Capricorn is also an earth sign, but I could be wrong. Um, who knows? Yeah. See, this thing, if I asked my Gen Z nieces, they would know this shit like so quickly. And they would know the um, rising and um, there's like two other ones too. And I never remember what those are. Um, but I, yeah. I could look at this shit right now mm-hmm. because there's an app that they made me join. <laughs> yeah. That actually shows uh, the charts. So I. Dear God, I, I'm trying to figure out. They actually say which one I'm supposed to be, like which one of my nieces I'm supposed to be closer with right now. Okay. I feel like that is totally like manipulation right there. <laughs> yes, I think one is like how you want to be perceived and the other is like how you pers- maybe like present to others or something. And then one is just like where you are born. Uh, or like, or, or what, you know, specific month kind of thing. I mean, as a, a green flag for you is when they say nice things about you, even when you're not around. Okay. I like that. It's so weird. Mm. Check out CoStar, everybody. Maybe they'll actually like sponsor this podcast. CoStar, CoStar is good. Yeah. By Gen Z. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like they actually like go for a drive with Alyssa. That's my niece. Mm-hmm. And I am actually going to do that later. So good on you app but avoid fire moons learn from earth suns i i have no idea i have a witty inner world my moon is in gemini okay gemini yeah that's all i fucking know gemini oh yeah gemini is the one that is like is like twins and i always think about them as being uh (laughs) and this is not i don't know evil because it's the twins thing but i don't know anything about (laughs) i don't know anything about it (laughs) Yeah, I know absolutely nothing about this shit. Okay, I know that my sun is in Virgo, moon in Gemini, ascendant in Gemini, Mercury in Virgo, Venus in Virgo. I have no idea what half of this shit is. Yeah, it's like a homework assignment to even uh, learn enough to be able to uh, have a, a casual conversation. Like if you were in a bar, you know, like someone brings this stuff up and you're just... Like I don't know, I didn't. I didn't do the reading this week. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I love. Like in a bar, you could always pivot to like an even like weirder conversation, and I'll just throw them. So it's like, all right, cool. Yeah, this is. Uh, yeah. I was at a bar recently, and I I met two people that uh, are very were very interesting. I don't remember their names, but I was at a bar with a couple people. And it was a, there was a couple behind us, and they were, like, they were mid-30s, you know? Like, they weren't young, uh, but they weren't old. But they were, like, they were, like, making out. They were, like, laying all over each other. They were just, like, really, really going at it. And it was, like, a Tuesday Damn. night at midnight. It was just, like, a strange time for this kind of, like, romantic energy to be happening. Uh, but I, you know, you can't break into that, but I was really intrigued about what was going on. 
Uh, and you should have asked them what their signs were. I, I didn't ask what their signs were, but I found some pretty good information because uh, somebody I was with was like buying shots, and because we were close enough to these people, and because this person was like, "You want a shot? You want a shot? You want a shot? Do y'all want a shot?" So they came over. They're like, "I can't say no." And uh, that gave me an in to talk to them. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, what's up? You guys look like you're having a really good night. Why, what's the occasion? We haven't seen each other in six years. I was like, well, why not? The guy said, well, I've been in prison. <laughs> I've been in prison for the past six years. Uh, and I like didn't want to immediately jump into the, that because it's either... It's six years is a long time to be in prison, you know. Uh, that could be a pretty bad crime. That could be, uh, it's a serious crime. Typically, if you're, you know what I mean, like that's a long time. Uh, so, but just I, be a drug dealer. You have no idea. Yeah. So, like, but I like, you know, so, so what did you do? And he said, uh, I worked for a bank and I got a little greedy and he left it at that. <laughs> so I was like, all right, nonviolent crime. That's cool. That sounds like. The white collar crime or whatever, uh, but I talked to him for a little bit, and then I felt that I was neglecting his his his, his lady friend, uh, and I was like, "Well, what do you do?" She's like, "Well, I uh, I'm an architect for the Navy, and I work specifically in weapons, and so what she does is look at submarines and battleships." and tells them what needs to be repaired so that they're better weapons to fight wars. Uh, I was like, these two people who are the most in love here uh, are also like some of the two most evil people ever. (laughs) (laughs) Just a guy who's like probably the reason why so many, like multiple people are like working a, a shitty minimum wage job because they got, you know, taken advantage of by a bank and this woman who like, Helps kill people. <laughs> but, you know, they seemed happy. Hey, they, they're both contributing to the problem. Let's hope they don't reproduce. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, it, it was like, yeah, maybe it was, it was the first time they'd seen each other in a while, so maybe it was just like a one-time thing. Who knows? Yeah. They were nice, though. Who knows? I don't know what their signs are. <laughs> I love to say sometimes the most, like, okay, I don't really believe in evil I was actually just watching Halloween, mm-hmm. so I really hate how Dr. Loomis keeps calling Michael Myers evil. He's the evil. So, yeah, I don't really believe in the evil, but I have noticed some of the most quote-unquote evil people tend to be so polite. Yeah, yeah. I think... Like, they're so chill. Yeah, I mean, like, for both... For both I, I also agree that, like, it's a word that I use, uh, I guess, like, hyperbolically. Like, I think it is a funny word to use because it is such a, like an extreme way to just kind of, I mean, to describe any kind of bad feeling. Like if I do something that's like, you know, like if I'm talking to somebody and I like don't ask, uh, enough questions about their life or if I like, um, somebody has been like texting me and I don't necessarily respond, uh, in time or, or, in the day that they text me, I say like, "Oh, I was evil to this person because I like didn't give them enough like mutual respect." So that's maybe how I mean it. But I think you know, there's gradations of good and bad. But you're, I think you're right. It's like it, it, with things like that, there's so many kinds of jobs that I mean that 
woman probably makes like a lot of money, you know, and he was a guy in prison. So he, you know, I, I don't know. What he, I don't really know exactly what he do, do, does now, but I mean, it's, it's these things that kind of just like force you into being humble because you're just one of like you want to feel respectable and like, and like you probably have to like behave in a certain way. Like she's an architect for the government. They kind of want you to look a certain way, you know? Definitely. Definitely. So I think before we go any further, I love our science conversation. That's definitely going to be something like what the title of this podcast is going to be. All right. Yeah. But I think you should give a quick bio over who you are other than a Capricorn. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, yeah, my name is, my name is Graham Urban. Uh, I'm a writer. I was born in North Carolina and I currently live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, and I wrote a book called Liver Mush. Oh, and like I, I, I have am... a Twitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Twitter. Yeah, I have a Twitter. Graham J. Irvin at Twitter. And I will plug that more later. Okay, so I was really intrigued because you said that your family was into this book and knew what it was about. So me as a Chicagoan who knows absolutely nothing about this, liver mush is a thing? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a real, um, it's real, yeah. What is it? Like, just like ground liver? It's, um, <laughs> so it is like, um, it's a pretty old style of, of meat. Um, and get originated... Uh, it originated in like on like old farms in like Germany, I believe. It wasn't called liver mush then, but whenever you like slaughter uh, animals, and specifically pigs, but mostly it's pigs, but it can really be any kind of uh, cattle, um, uh, or whatever. I don't know. They do it for cows too. But it's like when you slaughter an animal, there's like certain parts that are like uh, like more more valuable. So like you you have a pig, there's like the shoulder and the, the stomach is where you get bacon and like the, um, you know, you have like, uh, you can get the skin for like, like cracklings and stuff like that. But you have to, you want to use the entire thing because you, you know, you raise this pig and because you go through the process of slaughtering it. So there's a lot of parts left over like organ meat and uh, tails and ears and face meat that are tough and like not as apt, not as like easy to eat. They're not as like, big a chunk of meat so it's like harder to meet uh eat them or you have to prepare them in different way so like liver mush and scrapple which is like a pennsylvania thing and panhaus which is like a a, a a german word for it or like blood sausage what you do is you take these like less desirable cuts of meat typically boil them down until they become uh a just consistent a consistent kind of slop or mush and then you usually add things to it so that it'll go longer. So cornmeal or rice in the, in, in the way of like blood pudding or barley sometimes or you know, flour or whatever. And what that does is it just like it keeps those things fresher, longer. You can freeze it and then you can kind of uh, uh, make it also more palatable. So it's like because of the, like, the cornmeal and you season it so it has like a it doesn't taste as um, like iron heavy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having this question because I'm looking at the book right now. The bottom of the back cover 
Is that what liver mush is supposed to look like? Is that what it is? Hold on, let me see. Yes, yeah, those those like pieces right there is like what it looks like when it's all like cooked up. How does it taste? Um, have you ever had like like country sausage, like Jimmy Dean country sausage? Oh yeah, definitely. It's like the same kind of thing. I, I think it's pretty much prepared the same way, where it's um, salt, pepper, sage is a big part of it, um, and um, sometimes uh, spices like uh, like cayenne or crushed red peppers uh, in there as well. So it's definitely one of those kind of foods that you'd really enjoy, but then get really weirded out if someone told you what it was. Yeah, it's like a hot dog or or any kind of thing like that where like the more you think about where it came from or, or what it is like the most people are uh yeah definitely like i don't really want to know <laughs> about that oh i was gonna barbecue after this day <laughs> barbecue though is just the one thing yeah. yeah like that's or i don't know what do you what do you barbecue i was gonna do hot dogs oh see but you know you're in chicago that's all beef right they do the yeah, yeah so that's that's usually like a pure cut um, beef that they uh, just, you know, they just grind up. So you're probably better off uh, with those. We're really into, like, I don't know, like, really big into FDA regulations and not fucking with meat here. I mean, we had the whole meatpacking district and everything. I mean, have you read The Jungle by Upton Sinclair? No, I haven't, but I, I know about it, yeah. I was going to guess you probably knew about it based off of the book mm. that you wrote because I... <laughs> I mean, I don't know, I got, like, Upton Sinclair, like, I imagine him writing this, like, poetry, like, 21st century, but taking Adderall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, the jungle takes place in Chicago, and it's all about the meatpacking industry, and yeah, how that shit works. Yeah. I have... And now I'm imagining him as a poet, <laughs> snorting Adderall and writing this shit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're brothers, I think, him and I, in that. Yeah. <laughs> Obsessed. www.livermush.com. <laughs> he would be on there. He would be like, he might be the the the, was it the president, the CEO. Definitely. <laughs> you guys are totally going to be like partners yeah. in the Livermush industry. Yeah, we got a, D, uh, a group chat. We're hanging out in the group chat. <laughs> Me and Upton. I love that. Me and Updog. Oh my god, that that's going to be the title, Me and Updog. <laughs> All right, I like that. <laughs> but yeah, why did you decide to write this book? Like, because sometimes, like, I don't know, I, I love the whole randomness and everything of it. This is definitely something that I'd imagine that Back Patio Press would publish. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the randomness of Liver Mush and how it doesn't seem to apply to a lot of... <laughs> The actual topics is really intriguing, so uh, want to explain that? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think like I think a lot of it came out of uh, being kind of cooped up during uh, the COVID pandemic um, in a place uh, away from ho- like my hometown, um, and and like. Trying to keep in touch with family here and trying to uh, keep sane, um, just doing stuff. And so uh, I think I, I don't know. I was cooking 
me meals for uh, my, my girlfriend and I who live together, and I, I, you know, so I was like, well, they have something like liver mush up here. I'll try that and kind of like force her to to try it, and uh, and then I guess tweeting about it and talking about it online, it kind of just became a thing that. Um, I don't know, just turned into a thing I was talking about a lot and ended up talking to, you know, the, the guys from, uh, talking to Kevin and Zach from Back Patio and and, and then, then, you know, encouraging <laughs> encouraging me uh, to continue talking about it and writing about it. Uh, I have a question. Mm-hmm? Does your mom actually call you Grammar? Yeah, yeah. She calls me I love it. Grammar uh, G, Grammar J. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Moms are the best. <laughs> it's funny. I work with the guy now, uh, and he called me Grammar the other day, and he's the only other person who's called me that besides my mom. Okay. I'll be the third person to call you that. <laughs> that works. Yeah. Yeah. When <laughs> when he called me that, uh, I was, like, talking to somebody about it. I was like, that's funny that he called me that. Uh, and then they're like, maybe he knows your mom. And I was like, yeah, yeah, Dan is my dad. So that's that's how he knows her. <laughs> I feel like being called grammar is going to be like your villain origin story. Yeah, yeah, it works with like the the writing thing, you know. Like it's spelled different, but it's it, it works with that. I mean, it just adds to the, like the humor. You should just like eliminate your regular name. Just call yourself Grammar. I'll do that. Yeah, I think that's good. I think um, I can I can. Um, I don't know. Go rogue and just have a like a pseudonym. Yeah. Giving people bad career advice. I think that's what I should say my job is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I lead people down like, the wrong I path. I think I know what to do. Yeah. I'm gonna send you on the wrong path. <laughs> yeah. I actually did that like it literally yesterday. I gave someone the wrong directions. Totally didn't mean to do that, but how quick- I hope they found their way. Yeah. How quickly did you realize that you'd given the wrong directions? It was like two minutes after as I was walking away, and I was like, oh, my God, I forgot to tell them what street they were on. Oh, no. I, yeah, that sucks. I know. <laughs> and then you, like... Like, I just seriously was just like, eh, it's too late. They're far, far away. Yeah, you can't, like, run after... Yeah, you can't run after them and be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> they just terrify I know, because then it seems like you're about to mug them yeah. or something. <laughs> like, I swear to God, no, I meant to go left on Cook Street. My bad. Yeah, I'm doing this because I don't want you to dislike me. <laughs> you know, I, I really think it's unfair in the 21st century to ask people for directions because there's a thing called Google Maps. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. I mean, we survived off of our instincts and MapQuest, so. Yeah. No one should get lost now. Yeah, give them the directions to uh, the library and then tell them to print out yeah, MapQuest directions. <laughs> Use that. See, I think the new generations, the younger ones, will never appreciate how hard it was to drive and balance the printed out MapQuest directions. <laughs> and be like, I think I got this street correctly. Yeah. Yeah, you have no... And like, yeah, having to... It, it only being by miles, you know, not by like uh, the. You didn't see like the path on the page. It was just by like three point five miles turn left on this road, five miles turn right on that road. And the issue with uh, 
MapQuest because I live in Chicago. H- have you been here? Yeah, I've been one time, yeah. There are a lot of different, okay, I don't know any way to really describe it, levels to the city. Mm. <laughs> so it really doesn't say that, like, you're on the upper half of Illinois Street, not the lower half. Oh, there's not, like, north-south kind of thing? No, like, there are literally, like, stairs that go up to, like, another level of the street. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's really super easy to get a little, like, turned around. Like, we're on a normal grid system and shit, but if someone doesn't say, you're on the lower half, not the upper half, people are going to be like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Yeah, like, one time I printed out MapQuest directions, and I was, like, a teenager wanting to go to Navy Pier with other friends who were all from Chicago, and we all thought we would get there, but we were only on the upper half, and we are like, we could see it, we just don't know how to get down to it. Yeah, so you're above the thing and just, yeah, you're like, we're on the street. We're on the number in the street that he's saying to go to. I mean, like, we were, like, looking around, like, how the fuck do we get there? It wasn't until someone, like, looked up at the street below us and was like, the stairs are over here. (laughs) We were like, thank you, random stranger, kind stranger. Yeah. Better than me. Uh... The other night, a uh, month or two ago, I um, was, like, walking home up from a bar, and um, it's a grid system in Philly, and it's very simple, and I was, like, half a mile from my house, but I turned the wrong way on my street and just kept walking, and even though I was, like, passing landmarks that I knew I shouldn't see on this walk, I knew the landmarks, and so I was just, like, I guess, like... I guess I got to keep going past them. And I, like, ended up, like, so far away that I was, like, about to be going, like, under this bridge, like, the bridge that connects to New Jersey. And I was about to go, like, under that. And I was seeing that, <laughs> and I knew that where that was in the city. But I wasn't thinking I shouldn't be here. I was just like, I don't want to walk under that. I should get an Uber. And then I got an Uber back, but it wasn't until, like, the next day that I was thinking, like, that should have been a big clue <laughs> that I went the wrong way because I was like, I'm never here. I'm never, I never see this bridge. There's no, I only see this bridge when I'm driving to New Jersey. So why am I looking at it right now? See, you should have just kept going. Go to New Jersey. That sounds fun. Yeah. Could have, yeah, walked across it. Been in, uh, yeah, that could have been Could have said hi to Bud Smith, you know? Yeah, yeah. I could have <laughs> hung out with Bud. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, give a shout out to all the writers we like over there. It's like, hey... Is there such a thing as Central Jersey? Apparently there's a thing with you East Coast people that you can't agree on with that. I only know South Jersey, which is a completely different world from, like, the areas outside of New York. Um, I remember when I first moved up up here, up there, uh, I talked to Bud for a bit about that, like, about... um, like it's a it's a there's a lot of history there. It's like old old it's an old state, and there's a lot of people there. And uh, I don't know. We talked about like accents, how weird the accent is in South. They're not weird, but different the accent is in South Jersey versus North Jersey. It's like all farms and stuff. Like up in North Jersey, it's a lot of big cities. I mean, like all the like Jersey City is big, Patterson is big, um, and a bunch of other ones are like the biggest cities in the state. And then in South Jersey, it's just farmland, and there's some beaches, and uh, the Pine Barrens are are giant. It's wild. 
but I don't know anything about Central Jersey, so I can't help you there. See, a lot of people say it doesn't exist, and I'm just like, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. This is very... The only things I know about Jersey is, you know, the few people I know who live there, and then driving through there once. Yeah. It's, I, I like it. I, I mean, I like, I like the parts that I've been to. You know, I don't know. I, I, oh, I say I like it. It's, it's crazy because, like, because there's so many people there. I think it has, like, the most people, like, per capita in the country. Like, uh, just because, maybe because... I think it has all the people that, like, can't afford to live in New York. All the people that, like, can't afford to live in New York are people who, like, just live outside of Philadelphia and, like, both of those things. I think that there's also, like, Connecticut is touching it or... Like, there's a bunch of, like, states that kind of border it that I think um, make a lot of people live there. Uh, but food's really good. They have really good food. Um, it's really pretty in certain areas. And then, like, I don't know. There's a lot of history there. Like, I haven't been to, uh, like, the, the North Jersey cities that I was just talking about. But they all seem, like, super cool because people probably live there and then work in the city and, like, create families in this area that are a little bit more, um, uh, like, residential than, you know, giant urban spaces. Uh, I don't know. It seems cool. Uh, yeah. Mm. I definitely have to check it out, like, actually check it out. Because, yeah, as I said, I only passed through there. I spent time in Philadelphia, and then I was driving up to New York. So Yeah. Did you go? That's like my only experience. Yeah. Did you go to uh, AWP this year? No, but I do plan to go next year. I have never been to an AWP. Oh. So. Yeah. What up, people? It's going to happen finally. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, because Maldon House is pretty big and a lot of the authors are like, when are we going to have a booth? I was just like, I don't know, eventually. <laughs> But you know, next year's in Seattle, and I was like, you know what? It's an excuse to go to Seattle. I kind of like the off-site ideas, though, like where people do the readings outside of AWP. Those seem cooler. Yeah, yeah. From from what I've experienced, those seem to be... I didn't go to really any uh, this year, even though it was, like, you know, right down the street from me. But... Um, I went to, a couple of years ago, the one in D.C. and the one in L.A., and um, in both of those, it was, like, way better to not have to go into a convention center, and, and it felt, you know, all of the... I mean, like, I'm sure you can get anything out of anywhere, but the um, the talks and the, the stuff inside the convention center felt very, um, like, going to a lecture hall. Uh, See, that's what I'm afraid, like, the environment would be is, like, very stiff. Yeah, yeah, it, it 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 felt that way. I remember being like looking, like just you know, whenever it was here in Philly, looking out the window and like seeing people, and just like I could tell, it's like that. I know that person's not from this neighborhood. They're like way too dressed up. <laughs> they look, they look way too nice. Um, I mean, like you you go to an event. I mean, you go on vacation. If you dress up different, you know. So, but yeah, it's funny. See, what's going to happen if I go to AWP is people are going to walk up and talk to me like they know me, and I have no idea who the fuck they are, even though I do interact with them on the internet, but I have such vague memory and, like, almost, like, facial aphasia 
Yeah. So I'm just going to be like, I think I know you, but I don't. Yeah. And almost and everybody looks different than how they do online. So. Yeah. Everybody's photo is like, yeah, like six months old uh, or, or older. So, yeah. And it's like the best angle that they can get. So, like, get you some see somebody's face on. And shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, was it my author photo on not the, my last book, but the book before that mm. was like six years old. So. But even it was before just you, a good you put picture. it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. The one this year was taken this year. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you don't like talking to people. So. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's just so like, if you give me enough alcohol, I'll be good. I have met a few of my authors in person. And that's actually one of the, like, I'm not trying to pit anybody against each other, but there's only one that I've really like enjoyed hanging out with. Like we're like, if we're ever in the same area, it's like, let's get a beer. Is and that, I think it's because it, they're just as antisocial as I am. Can you say who it is? Or are you going to keep that under, under wraps? You know, what? I, I'll give it, I'll give the shout out. Nick Gregorio. I think it's just cause like we've definitely crossed paths enough. I, mm. I want to get a beer with Bud Smith. He seems like he'd be fun as hell. He does. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the one thing a lot of people... Yeah, Nick's in Philly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So is Christina Rosso. I was going to meet her, but, you know, COVID. What are you going to do? Yeah. But Um, that's why I didn't go to the AWP in 2020. Uh, I caught COVID. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that, like, I mean, doing really anything that, that feels like you can't have the full experience. I mean, also being sick, you don't want to go there when you're sick, but even with like certain restrictions and stuff like that, you, I, I felt very like stuffy, like, uh, like concerts or shows starting back up, talking about music shows starting back up for a while, you know, but they would still be very like limited people or you kind of like, we're supposed to still have like your social distancing thing. They're still even still doing like the, like vax and mask things, and I understand it's for safety, but it also, you know, it doesn't feel like the same kind of um, uh, freedom, you know. Like you, you go to a show because you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose my mind and listen to some music, and um, and like you go to this, you have to go and you have to like be very aware of everybody and kind of afraid of everything. It just doesn't have like the same kind of uh, vibe. The last concert I went to, I went to see Bleachers, um, mm-hmm. hey, Jersey band, right? There we go. Yeah, hell yeah. So, yeah, like Jack Antonoff wrote on his Twitter that like they're strictly going to enforce, like you had to have your vaccination cards and you had to wear masks, and nobody, nobody did that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not a damn person. In Chicago, I think everybody had the, if I'm holding a beer in my hand, it's an excuse to not wear the mask. Yeah, that's a good rule, though. Like It really is. Uh, it's like, this yeah. is my permit to not have the mask. And because it started to rain while everyone was in line, they're like, all right, everybody get in. So they just didn't check our cards. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're, and Mallory, you're an anti-vaxxer, right? You don't like, you, you said no to the poke or whatever it's called. <laughs> no, I, I, I have all the vaccines. <laughs> the second yeah. one was hell, but I don't know. I think most people had, like, the hard reaction to the zac- second vaccination. Yeah, yeah, I got a little sick, too. 
But I can tell you, it's nothing as bad as COVID was. So. Yeah. Did you That's have? That's what like, I had to keep telling myself the entire time that day. I was just like, it's only one day of it. I'm almost done. Yeah. Did you have like original COVID, like the first first wave? Oh hell yeah! I was actually my doctor's first patient who had COVID. It's so weird the last two years now to like see him because he gets very excited. He's like, you're my first one. You're the yeah. first one I learned from. And I'm just like, I don't want to be the guinea pig. Do you know how yeah. awkward that was? <laughs> Patient zero. <laughs> I was like, he had no idea what the hell to do with me. He was just like, can you breathe okay? Eventually he was just like, go home. And I did. And he's like, you know, quarantine and I have asthma, so that's not helping but, like, at one point, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to go to the hospital. And because they didn't want people who had COVID to, like, go to the doctor's office, right. he actually, like, talked to me on the phone. And he was just like, put the phone to your chest and breathe so I could hear how bad it is. I was like, seriously? He's like, yeah, try it. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, he's just like, I don't think you have pneumonia. And I'm just like, based off what you could hear on my phone? like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn, that is the, not a good diagnosis. It doesn't hear the ghosts in your chest crying. I know. <laughs> like, I've only been in the bathroom with, like, steam from my shower going so I could breathe, but no, you don't think I have pneumonia because of my phone couldn't pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you hope, yeah. Thankfully, you didn't have, you know, bad reception. Well, at least I survived. We could say that. It's I mean, true. I had You're here now. trippy hallucinations, but, you know, it helped with the writing. So, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's always good. So, wait. So, like, what's the last concert you've been to? Um, yeah, the last one I went to, I saw the microphones. Um, that was, I think, March. I went and saw them. Uh, or Yeah, it was just, it was just Phil Everham, um, and he did the, the new album, The Microphones, in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and then the, the person who played before him was, I forget her name, but she also plays as florist. Um, so it was, you know, acoustic kind of indie music, but the, the microphones were super good. Like, uh, I'd never seen him play in any capacity, but I've liked his music for a really long time. And it was a really good show. It was in this, uh, church, um, uh, First Unitarian Church. So it was like in a chapel, uh, and everybody sat in pews. There was no alcohol, and you just kind of like sat and watched um, uh, him play. Like a, it's like a straight through one song, forty-five minute album. Um, but I don't know. It, it was a really good experience. It felt like, I mean, partly because of, uh, partly because of the setting, and partly because of like the way the album like works and everything. It felt very like spiritual. Sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah, uh, sit-down concerts. I've only been to a few of them. It definitely goes against my instinct, but, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, like, that was... It was definitely not, like, like dancing, moving music. Uh, no, I, felt, I could I, definitely imagine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was weird. It was definitely weird at first to, like, get there and sit down, but then, like, as this, like, music came, it was like, oh, I can just kind of, like... I kind of close my eyes and, and like nod along and not feel like I'm going to sway into somebody or, or like no one's really thinking about their body because they're kind of anchored, uh, in place. And so that, like, that felt nice. Um, but yeah, I've only been to, 
I've been to, I saw like St. Vincent like a long time ago and it was like at a, like a stadium. It wasn't like Durham and they, it was not a stadium, a, um, like a concert hall where they would do like operas and stuff like that. So it was like in a, you're like sitting in like chairs and her music is like, you know, kind of dancey. It's like poppy and loud and stuff like that. So, but she played like these like short films that she had made and, and it was like a whole long kind of experience thing. But those are the only two I've been to that are sit down. Are there any concerts that you've been to that you're actually embarrassed to admit that you were there? Hmm. Huh. I don't know. I mean, like, I'll go first. I've seen NSYNC. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like, I'll uh, admit that one. <laughs> I think... I think I was like, I, I, when I was, uh, yeah, whenever they were like, you know, like, I guess, first out, I, I was going to go see them and then didn't didn't go. So I probably would have been embarrassed by that, too. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, not that I haven't seen, like, oh, yeah. I mean, like, when I was, like, like 20 to 21, I went to a lot of, like, like dubstep, like bro step, uh, kind of things. And like, I enjoyed them. Um, and I went to a lot of like, like DJ, like local DJ EDM kind of shows and they're fine. Like I, I not like that. It's like, I'm embarrassed or that there would be even a name that I would point out and say, like, everyone knows that person's name and they all equally would feel embarrassed, but more just like the energy of those shows kind of feels very different than, what I did before that and what I did since. Uh, uh, but the music, I, th- I thought, was... I mean, it's an experience. It's a, it's its, its own thing. Um, uh, I have a, a friend who is going to this Detroit um, fest, like dance house festival, and uh, she keeps talking about, like, the only band that she really knows she's going to play there is Skrillex. And, mm-hmm. uh, and like, I don't know, I... I, when I was like that 21, 22 age, like it's, I liked Skrillex a lot because uh, he was like in From First to Last. I saw From First to Last when I was in high school. It was a really good show. Um, I didn't eat enough and I passed out during it. <laughs> um, and so I had this like, a, I have this, like, a, I'm endeared to, to Skrillex, you know, because I think he, I don't know, he, he like, he created, a, like a, his own a, a kind of music that like really blew up, and mm-hmm. uh, even if it's not the best kind of music, it's uh, impressive. I'm trying to think. Any like, other embarrassing ones that you've gone to? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll say it. I've been to Dave Matthews Band, but like that was a family experience because all my like siblings love Dave Matthews. I don't understand why, but I wanted mm. to fit in with them. <laughs> Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I want to go this year. I want to see what you guys do together. And I think I left like halfway through. <laughs> I was just like, no, this wasn't what I was aiming for. Okay. Yeah. I, like, I worked with a guy who was a big Dave head, and uh, I never went with him, but he would go every time he was in town. He liked, loved the stuff. See, that is exactly what my siblings do. They would go every time he was in town, but then he got banned from Chicago for a while he's not banned anymore <laughs> they so they would go up to wisconsin and uh 
I went up the one time. They would do, he would do two-day concerts at a place called Alpine Valley. And it is the most, like, tailgate-y, I don't know, like, white bro event you will ever go to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like it's a giant frat party. Yeah. <laughs> From that what would, I can imagine. Sense. Yeah, yeah. I've never been to one, and I'm happy I never have been. That's a, a frat, project. A frat party, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah. the closest to a frat party I've ever been in was, like, a party of my brother's, and that's because he's a frat boy. Yeah. I don't belong in my family. I don't know if I've ever made that one clear. <laughs> yeah, I'm an anomaly. The, are you the youngest, or, or what? Yeah. I'm the youngest okay. of five kids, and all of them are very preppy, frat boy, sorority girls. I don't know. Mm. They all very, very much fit in with normal society, I say in quotes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that happens with... Um, I'm an only child, so I only know this from meeting people, but uh, from how, who I've met who are youngest seem to have, like, go their own path. You're kind of, like, left to your own devices and and um, because everybody has already done something, especially if you have multiple siblings, you kind of don't feel the need to follow in anybody's footsteps. You're not, like, a mediator or and you're not, like, a, a guiding light or anything. You're just kind of there to do your own thing. Especially because, like, a couple of my siblings already lived up to all my parents' expectations. Yeah, they got so that like, out, yeah. out of the way. And one of them totally, like, failed and, like, was, like, the family shame. So I was yeah. like, all right, I can't be better. I can't be worse. Let's go on our own path. Yeah, yeah. So whatever you do, whatever, like, success you do and whatever avenue you're in, it's it's appreciated, exciting. They'll, you know, go, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. We love that. <laughs> I can tell you, like, they never understand who I am, like, Anytime they enter any of the apartments I've been in, they just kind of, like, take, like, a stark look around, like, right, okay, this is the different <laughs> child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I fucked up my rotator cuff a couple years ago, and I was in a different apartment, and I can't explain why I designed my apartment this way, except for the fact that I wanted an office, but it was a one-bedroom, and I decided to make the bedroom the office and design the rest of the apartment as, like, a studio. Mm -hmm. And I had to call my dad to help me, to, like, take me to the hospital. And I got to tell you, he took a longer look at my apartment than, like, it took for him to help get me in the car. Like, he was just <laughs> like, why is your bed out here? Yeah. This, yeah. Is, what you, this is what you hurt yourself for. <laughs> yeah. You know, the most embarrassing fact, though, is actually being, like, I, I tripped over an Amazon box. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, did you, like, you landed, like, you caught yourself? Like, yeah. Hurt, like, yeah, yeah. I caught myself falling, and I blame that directly for me getting COVID. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Because I had to go to physical therapy, and that's where I caught it from, is the physical therapists. Oh, Wow. So you were still healing from the wrist or the rotator cuff situation while with COVID. You know, what sucks about the rotator cuff is I, I should go back to physical therapy, but, like, I won't. Now that I'm just, like, it feels weird. Like, I could still heal from it. I know my rotator cuff is still a little fucked up, but 
I never finished my sessions because I got COVID, and I don't know. I feel it's all germy. I'm a little creeped out yeah. by it. Yeah, yeah. See, it ruined um, my experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, uh, yeah, like, what's the last physical, it's like a, I don't know, conversation piece. Like, what's the last physical therapy you went to? Well, I don't really want to go anymore because it's just, you know, I, I, got, I got the ick because of COVID. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, I don't know if you were a kid that, like, ever tried, like, a food and, like, maybe you got too into it and then you threw up because of getting into it and then you're like, I can't eat that food anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, so it's like that. Yeah. yeah. For me, it was French toast sticks, but yeah. French toast sticks. Yeah. I don't know if I have a food like that. I, I went through, like, I was really picky as a kid and um, and then when I started living by myself, I had to cook for myself, and so uh, I would cook really like crappy food because it was I would I would cook um, tuna helper, which is like hamburger helper but with canned tuna, so it lasted longer. I could got, buy a can of tuna and it would be like shelf stable for like a couple years, and cheaper than a hamburger meat. Uh, and so I would eat that, and then like after eating that for a bit, I was like, I guess I could really eat anything. <laughs> and so I started branching out. And, uh, I don't really think, there's not a lot of food that I'm too, uh, too, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, adverse to, as evidenced by the liver mush book. I, I was going to say, like, yeah, making some liver mush. It just <laughs> sounds so gross. Like, I'm sure it tastes fine, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'll it, have to try it. If we ever meet, you'll have to make me some liver mush. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get some. I, 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 I've been telling my family this story. Um, so I work with a guy, uh, Austin Islam. He's a, a internet guy. <laughs> but I work yeah, with I know him. him. Yeah, so I, like we worked together, and he read the book, and he was like, "You're going home this weekend. You should pick me up some." So I, I did. Uh, or I was like, "Yeah, sure." And then he's like, all right, I'll Venmo you for it. And um, liver mush costs two fifty for a pound. <laughs> it's very cheap. And that's part, of the, that's part of the appeal, like why people, I guess, have eaten stuff like this forever is because it's like a, an affordable meal that lasts forever. But he Venmoed me $30. And uh, <laughs> I keep telling like my, like my aunts and uncles about that. They all like bust a gut. They're like, what's this guy? What does he think you're getting? See, you need to like open a restaurant or something now. Yeah, yeah, I got to provide this uh, this experience that uh, no one else can get. Yeah, with yeah. weird food and make them make people like it. Sell your book and the liver mush at the restaurant. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's got the recipe in it. I should just lean into that, you know, lean into the food thing. Definitely, I would do that if I were you. Yeah. <laughs> See? Bad career advice again, right? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. just going to be my job. Just be like, okay, I need some bad career advice. I'm going to call Mallory. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know, move move across the country. <laughs> Change your name. <laughs> I know. Burn burn all of your uh, your government ID. Definitely. I, I'm for it. <laughs> I, move to Ukraine. See what you could do there. Yeah. I mean, uh, probably a lot. Uh, join the front lines. I want to be like, a, join the resistance. Try and be like Hemingway. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean... If that doesn't work, just try ripping your shirt off and ask other people if they have more chest hair than you. I don't know. 
Yeah, all manly stuff. I think I could get into that. I really, yeah, I've got that in me, I think. Yeah, like, can you do some boxing? Really prove your writer instinct by, you know, hitting somebody. Yeah, I don't know if I could hit somebody uh, well, but I think I could take a punch. So if all of my, like, boxing is just being able to stand while getting punched, I think that would be fine. I know I could take a punch, and I know I could throw a punch, but I know that they hurt far more than most people think they hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even, like, just the throwing the punch, like, you feel that in your hand. Oh, yeah. You'll, you'll be messed up. If you don't do it right, you can, like, break your wrist. It'll, uh, yeah. People, I felt uh, it in my thumb. Like, I think I tucked my thumb, and oh, you're not supposed to yeah. do that. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll mess you up. Did you, who did you punch? I played sports. Oh, okay. In school and yeah, basketball game gone wrong. You know how we do. Mm. Did you win? Uh, no, we were actually one of the shittiest teams in the league. Well, I'm at the fight. Did you win the fight? Um, no, I'm five feet tall. I, I don't oh. win any fights. <laughs> I don't think I've ever won one. I, hey, I got one hit in, and I was like, holy hell, my thumb. And by that time, I had been hit, too. And I was just like, and I'm down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forfeit. It really time is. Off. Like, once I hit the ground, I'm just like, I am so sorry for starting this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, just... instant regret. Like, I thought I was tougher than I was. Apparently, I'm not. Yeah, that's how you learn, you know? You, you, yeah. But, all right. Let's talk more about liver mush. Okay, cool. What you got? Who designed the cover? I love all the blood. Uh, Tex Gresham. Uh, Tex Grisham. Um, oh, I love him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, and um, I didn't really tell him much. I sent him, like, so it's supposed to kind of look like uh, liver mush packaging. Um, but then, like, the pig thing in the front uh like, well, they're, they're, yeah, it's just supposed to kind of look like liver mush packaging, but I sent him a couple pictures of that and a couple other, like, old, like, packaging stuff from, like, I think the 60s and 70s. And he was just like, all right, I got you. And then, yeah, he threw it together uh, pretty quickly. And it was, like, his idea to do the ingredients that had um, kind of, like, the, the ingredients kind of act as, like, a blurb as well. I like the whole keep refrigerated, fully cooked... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The nutritional facts are like what the nutritional facts are for liver mush. I'm pretty sure. I like, I got this book as an ARC from Zach, and uh, I didn't know that I was going to find a random, like, kind of press release kind of thing in the middle. Like, he kind of folded it in. It's oh, yeah. like the funniest thing. I love it. Yeah. What does like, the press release say? Oh, he's like, hi, this is a press release. Slash promotional letter telling you about liver mush by Graham Irvin. I've never written one of the, these, so I'm just gonna say, hey, listen, liver mush is an incredible book. I mean it. It's one of those books where both Cavan and I felt unsure whether we could do it any justice, and I can tell you right now, we're not doing it any justice. <laughs> and it goes a lot further in, but yeah. I think they. I, I, I'm super glad. Happy with with everything that they've done for it. Like I, I think that I don't know. I couldn't ask for like a, a, a better a better book or a better people to work with. Um, uh, I would hope that Zach. they tucked this into like actual like 
books that they were like selling as well because this is like the perfect like rundown of the book yeah yeah Zach like the when I was like you know more or less done with it we were talking about like blurbs and whether or not they were like necessary or if the like the, the juice was worth the squeeze and like contacting people for blurbs and stuff and more or less um it felt it wasn't like a, a big deal but then um i think he gave the book to tao lin because he was like the same time was working on uh, everything is totally fine mm-hmm. and so tao lin ended up blurbing it which was really cool um uh, i don't know if that's probably not on the arc cover no but it's on the the most uh, the, the the final cover when I got that, whenever he, that happened, I was like, it was like Thanksgiving, and I was at a friend's house. So it was like my girlfriend's best friend. We were in like South Jersey, and we were like at this her family's house. Who I didn't know anybody there, and I think my girlfriend also didn't know really anybody except like her friend and maybe like one of her sisters. And uh, and then I like was like talking to group chat and that and he was like, hey, I got Tal to say some stuff about it. I told Caitlin, and she's like, oh, my God, that's so cool. And she, like, told the family, and then the family was like, what is that? And then I had to, like, explain what, like, that I had a book, what a blurb was, who Tao Lin was, why it made me happy, and, like, that kind of stuff. It's a good, like, uh, uh, excitement and, like, humbling moment. You know, I like, I like moments like that where it's, if I was going to get a big head, this kind of moment helps me not get too big of a head. I mean, like, any promotion is something to get really excited about, be it blurbs, interviews, reviews, podcasts. It's all really lit. Um, so recently I was thinking about, uh, well, um, I, I've been on a handful of podcasts in the last, like, couple of months, um, and uh, and, it, and it doesn't seem like a, it's not a big deal, right, that there there's these... These, these broadcasts that only a handful of people listen to and the only people that listen to them uh, are, like, reading the book. So it's, but it seems like on the outside, there's not a lot of... It doesn't seem like there's a lot of hobbies and subcultures that also have this kind of thing that don't kind of, like, break into mainstream in that way. Like, like comedy podcasts exist, but typically those people are, like, movie... Like, TV show writers or, like, they do improv and they have their own shows or whatever. Um, but... I did find a fingerboard podcast, like, you know, like tech decks. Mm-hmm. So it was like, there's like a professional fingerboard world, like people who still today build uh, fingerboards with like real wheels and real uh, uh, trucks. And, and they have like these whole like uh, parks set up and stuff. But I listened. To, I don't follow that. I have no idea what that's about. But I found a podcast for that, and they were like interviewing, like pro, I guess, quote unquote, pro fingerboard writers, and it was very cool. They were like talking about videos that were made. Like it was like, like it would be like pro skateboarding, but only for fingerboarding. And that's like the closest thing I, I can imagine to like what the writing world is. It's like this thing. Incredibly niche say, that thing. Is so niche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. You know. I gotta say, with this one, I am shocked with how much textual healing is hit. But I mean, I think it's because it's both music and literature. Who knows? Yeah, I think this also works because it's conversational. 
because if you maybe don't listen, know the writer, you can like come in through the music. Um, it's relatable, you know. I think that that's that's always good. I'm always told that I'm very casual, and I'm never sure if that's like a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> I don't know. It's got to be hard to like structure interviews where you're asking questions that like build a narrative and that also allow for personality from you and the person to come in there. And I think the best way to get that is through just kind of being like, "What's up? What are you doing? What's what's on your mind?" You know. Exactly. Like I do have questions listed in front of me, but I'm just like, I'll fit them in. Like, and that's what I've been doing. Like I have like a checklist in front of me, like where I'm just like, hit that one, got that one. <laughs> All right. What have we missed so far? What, what what's uh, what's the next question? Let's let's get pro, let's get right. professional. Okay, professional. Okay, I like how I don't write them in professional ways. <laughs> Because I was just like, talk about his random and all over the place playlist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, so I don't know. I, like I told you online or on, on Twitter or whatever, like I've had like, I like music a lot, and I've, but I feel like I've, I, I, and I like, I do this thing where I will like spend hours like going through and like reading about bands and then reading about bands that they played with and reading about like, the kind of music and and like well this band made, made a sound that was like this but then they were inspired by this band and i'll look at that and i'll do all this stuff where i'll like save them or or add them to like a, a, a add them to a queue and then i get i get some kind of fulfillment out of that to where i don't go back and listen but i've been trying to go and listen to music more especially for this i was like you know i want to be able to talk about music i want to be thinking about music i, I like music a lot but yeah, I also I don't know. I don't I don't think I like a certain genre. I've had times in my life where I liked one genre and I think I must say there's definitely not one genre on this. Yeah. But okay, so <laughs> I've been trying to think about like what brings them together because I did put a lot of thought into like how the playlist like flows. Um but I think that there is some kind of like this like the I, like a lot of the songs have this like downbeat kind of thing. A lot of these songs have repetitive uh either vocals or like um some kind of talking over it uh there are ones that are heavy songs and ones that are like quieter songs uh but i don't really know i just these are just songs that i I like and that i've either listened to for a while or i've been talking about like uh the teddy pendergrass song i've been talking about i love that song uh but I, I just like recently started listening to him, and I think he's like an amazing person. He's just like he had like this crazy life. He like was born in South Carolina, and moved to Philadelphia, and like was in this R and B band. Uh, but the band was, and he was like the lead singer, main guy. But 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 he wasn't named after him, so he didn't get any credit for the music. And then he became solo, and then he blew up, and he was like one of the only like 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 black R&B artist who was like crossing over into like like white radio and like they called him like the black Elvis and um they would have these shows where it was just women because you know he was like everyone liked him but he was like like very a good-looking guy and and his music was all about like you know sex and love and romance and and so he would only they would have like women only concerts for him and they would be sold out and then, like, at the peak of his career, like, maybe, like, a year after the album that Love TKO was on came out, he was at a club in in uh, in Philly, 
and driving to his mansion, which was like just outside of Philly. And his brakes were either like accidentally broken or cut. And he crashed his vehicle and was paralyzed from the chest down. He didn't die. He was paralyzed from the chest down. And uh, that paired with uh, the person that was with him in the car uh, was a, a trans woman. And everyone just like it became this thing where it's like, well, he can't be sexy anymore because he's in a wheelchair. And like, what does this mean about like, you know, sexuality? Like it was it was the 80s. It was like 83. So they were just like, what does it mean that he was like, you know, uh, on a date with a trans woman? And and, um, so he's like labels dropped him and he like they put out a couple like albums that he like pre-recorded, but he didn't have another album for like five, six years. Uh, And even listening to that. It's good, but it's like he doesn't have the range anymore because of like where he was paralyzed, like affected his like lung strength and like voice. So he's like he sings at like a like he seems like more constrained. He can't like hit the notes as long or as hard. So he's like singing to that strength, but or to you know, he's he's making it work, but it sounds different. And then um, in like 2010, I believe he he died of cancer at like 52. It's amazing that that's actually what got him. He survived a lot. He survived a lot, yeah. I don't know. But the song is also good beyond that. But I, again, a thing I'll do is put the song on, say it's really good, and then talk the entire time the song plays. <laughs> Cause no, I, I definitely like that. Up. I was listening to this right before um, interviewing you. I actually listened to it a few times. I did it in order and then um, on shuffle. And I, don't, mm-hmm. I really liked doing it in order. There was definitely an ebb and flow effect. Did you do that purposely? I, yeah, I tried to. Yeah, I <laughs> like I said, I was like very nervous about. I didn't want to give you um, a, 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 a dump of songs and then make you have to like claw through them and like kind of pick out something. And I wanted it to be like a, a, a listening experience that that was peaceful even if you didn't necessarily like the songs that you would be like through that one and then something else would happen that would maybe be more uh of of you liking or whatever you know not that i even know really what you listen to but just i guess anyone in general i thought could kind of like ride the wave even if the songs themselves were things that they were familiar with or interested in isn't it just slightly fun that i run a music podcast but nobody really knows what music i like I know you like Frank Turner. Yeah, see, there's one. I think it's just because yeah. I hyped it up um, with the last podcast, though. Yeah, you've talked about it. You talked about him, I think, on the last two. Or maybe like one and then one before that or something. Yeah. But I haven't listened to Frank Turner. But um, I know that. I know the bleachers now. And I love Sleater um, Kinney. Sleater Kinney? Good. I've been listening to them, like, since, God, I want to say, like, middle school and that makes them seem very old, so yeah. But they are, right? They, I mean, they've been around for a while. Not old, but, you know, they're... Yeah, like, they're in their, like, late 40s. Yeah, I mean, they've been playing, you know, since, like, early 90s. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I want to say that they started in, like, 96. I know they stopped, like, with Into the Woods or something, and then, like, didn't, like, stop, but they went on, like, hiatus. And then Portlandia happened, and... Everybody and they're like, okay, more. we could start up again. Yeah, yeah. 
like. Looks like um, Carrie Brownstein has a following. This place in boiler <laughs> music. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I, I, I get that. I think you have. Yeah, you got the like. You like punk music? I think I get that. Yeah. Definitely. But there are stuff too that like it seems like a surprise. I think you've talked about like not having seen uh, Taylor Swift, but you either would or that I have actually ha- seen her once. Okay. All right. Yeah. And. I don't even want to know how much tickets are to see her now because I saw her earlier in her career and it was like ninety dollars. Wow! Yeah. So I can only imagine that like it's crazy expensive to see her now. She puts on a good show. Yeah. Maybe she'd be like I'm starting to dig her more that I've listened to folklore. My fiance is really more into that music than I am. I've gotten him a little bit more into punk. He's gotten me more into pop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like a, a... What is it? Like a... The, the dream of <laughs> indie millennials uh, it come, like, has come together with her last couple albums with, like, dude from Bonnie Vare, dude from that other band that I can't remember the name, Brett the D- Dresden. Yeah, the national, that guy. I know she finally actually found a way to really connect with more of the, I hate to say it, hipster kind of more indie millennial types. And I think that's what made this this particular record so successful. But yeah, you know, getting off of the very fun subject of Taylor Swift that seems to be dominating the entire world. How about you actually take up some of our time and read some of Livermush? What do you think? Okay. Uh, yeah, all right. Um, all right. Uh, okay, I'm going to just read, uh, like four short poems. Um, and I'll tell, I'll say what they are before I read them. Livermush is a riddle and a dream. You're lost in an unknown city, driving a grid of streets marked with illegible symbols. You feel in a dream, but not. A gray building stretches from intersection to intersection, just tall enough to block the sun. The building has no windows. There are guards every 20 feet, protecting the doorless sides of the structure with yellow rocket launchers. Inside the building are directions home, and an endless supply of winning lottery tickets. You know this the way you know this is a dream. How do you get inside? Livermush is my grandparents in a nightmare. Clocking out the old country factory by sniping a deer through the skull, driving my Chevy F-72 spaceship back 40 years and 10 hours, Wiping a green bean bead of sweat from my forehead in traffic, taillights bright as persimmons and road signs small as muscadines, pulling up to Virginia Dare's opaque dog trot, tires crunching gumballs in the drive, a Rottweiler mushed into a Harley Davidson, mushed into a Korean veteran, Cerberus waits on the porch of the gray block and says, Honey, this doorknob's acting funny. You sure you fried it long enough? The liver moment. Liver mush. 
a delicious moment. Liver delicious. The mush of the moment. The liver moment. You're living in it. Liver mush. There's still a live scorpion in there. And uh, this is the last one. Liver mush to everyone. We're floating in the liver mush. Every moment is a pig heart or a pig tail, a broken piece of tooth, blood from, the, from deep in the pork gut. We're suspended in the liver moment. If I can't bring liver mush to your plate, I'll say liver mush to pass the peace. Liver mush to the fish in the river. Liver mush to the gum on the sidewalk. Liver mush to the flies in the kitchen. Liver mush to all I've loved. Liver mush to all I've wronged. Liver mush from the air in my lungs. Liver mush to the wax in your ears. All right, that was Graham Irvin, or Grammar, if you want, reading from Liver Mush, and it was as fantastic as I thought it would be. If you loved it as much as I did, snag a copy from Back Patio Press, and you can find more info about Graham on his Twitter, at Graham J. Irvin. Or, of course, if you're part of the lit world, you should just know by now that you can go on Neutral Spaces and you'll get a good rundown of his work. As always, if you want to get to know us more, Find Textual Healing on Twitter at Pod Healing, and take a look at our website, textualpodcast.com. If you would like to help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Check out past episodes and keep a lookout for the new ones to come every other Saturday. This is Mallory Smart. Thanks for listening to the show.